Blog Talk Radio. Well, hello and happy Tuesday. It is August 27th, and you're listening to Drive Through HR, which is, of course, um, one of the longest-running HR podcasts. And um, we're happy to come to you several times a week with our new schedule. Um, I'm Robin Schooling. I'm uh, the host for today's show. And with me is uh, a guest that I'm really excited to talk about. Uh, and so, everybody, welcome, Nicole Roberts. Hello, Nicole. Hello, Robin. How are you? Thank you for having me. Oh, I am good. Living, living the HR dream, right? That's what we do. <laughs> Absolutely. Living, living the dream. So we um, are going to have, I think, a very, um, very interesting conversation today. You know, I, I think one of the um, one of my favorite aspects, really, of Drive Through HR is uh, when we sit down or stand up or whatever we're doing um, and talk with folks that are doing are doing the work, doing the work day in and day out. And Lord knows you and I both do the work day in and day out, so it's going to be a good <laughs> conversation. So as we kick this off, Nicole, um, why don't you, for those of our listeners who aren't familiar with you, um, tell us, you know, this is like an HR interview, right? It's like an interview. <laughs> tell us a little bit about yourself. Um, your background, what you do, what you do for fun, whatever you want to let us share. So uh, my name is Nicole Roberts, and I am the Vice President of Human Resources for Brightview, um, which is headquartered in Cincinnati, Ohio. We are a group of outpatient substance use disorder treatment facilities. So my Mm. team and I support those who are doing the very selfless work of um, Mm -hmm. helping to um, support those that are uh, battling addiction in in various forms. Um, Mm. I've been with the company a little over a year. It was a year um, last Tuesday, so very exciting. And we've Yay, happy anniversary. Yeah, thank you very much. Yeah, (laughs) so uh, when I started with the company, we had 1.5 people in HR, and now we have 6.5. Ooh. And we had a, yeah. So we had a little over 100 employees when I started, and we have over 300 now. So we are, you know, doubled in size in this past 12 months. We'll do it again this time next year. So uh, it's one of those things where, you know, it's unfortunate that the need is so great, but we're so happy that we're there to provide that service. Yep, Um, yep. So I've been in HR for a little over 15 years now, Um, started out in energy and telecom, uh, been in manufacturing, veterinary medicine, and now uh, behavioral health. So very Hmm. interesting career, very thankful for um, the experiences and the opportunities that my career has afforded me, and now I'm here talking to you. Excellent, excellent. And you, um, you, you immerse yourself in, in the greater HR world. Um, which I know you and I are very similar in our thinking with that. We we see a lot of value in 
in that. We don't just trudge into the office and do do our work. We immerse ourselves throughout the greater the greater sphere of of the people space. What are some of the things that you do? Because um, I know you're very active. So tell everybody about some of those things. Um, so I'm a Sherm 19 blogger, um, and I am a blogger with my own blog. It's HR Without Ego. Um, I'm a member of the Sherm A team, and I was fortunate to represent Sherm and testify before the House Subcommittee to the proposed changes to the Fair Labor Standards Act. So really any place that I can see that HR can make an impact, I want to be part of it. I'm on the board of my local Sherm chapter, DECRA. I'm actually on the committee of the Ohio State HR Conference, which is coming up here uh-huh. in, in September. So, yeah, I stay very involved in the HR community, uh, looking to help and support in any way that I can. Yep. And, of course, now that uh, the uh, FLSA uh, being uh, is, uh, being revisited, you saw yesterday right. or the day before the <laughs> the announcement that, yeah. oh, here's a new – Here's a new proposal so everybody can ask 3,000 times, okay, now what's the new salary threshold that we're considering <laughs> all over again, all over again. Yeah. It, it never ends, never ends. Well, before we before we dive into really kind of what I wanted to talk about, um, it, I want to spend a little bit, of the to- little bit of time talking about that growth, you know, because I think that's, mm-hmm. that's so fascinating, uh, you know, doubling, you know, doubling your employee size and ex- exponentially mm-hmm. growing your HR team. Um, what are some real quick, I guess, you know, kind of top-level tips for HR folks, HR leaders that have to, that are in a hyper-growth mode? You know, what what did you kind of keep at the top of your mind as you were doing that and still doing it? Oh, yeah, still, Absolutely. So the number one thing for me um, coming into the role, because it was a newly created role, you know, right? We were very fortunate that the organization had the foresight to see, you know, hey, what we have right now, this isn't going to sustain us when we get to, you know, the next two or three sites, the next four sites, the next, you know, ten sites. And so the, the biggest thing that I could say for anybody that's preparing for growth is take a look at your um you know people transactional processes and what do you have that may work now in the short term that may be a manual process maybe paper maybe an email you know maybe yeah. things like that that works and you can provide that concierge level of hr support and service in your current capacity but if you uh-huh. doubled tomorrow if you tripled tomorrow what would break And so for us, when I started with the company, I looked at what's our payroll and HRIS system? How are we able to support people? Do we have employee self-service? Do we have management self-service? Do we have paper files? What does our applicant tracking system look like? And is it a system where a candidate has to be on a desktop computer to be able to apply? Do they have to copy and paste everything from their resume, which we're going to get anyways? into this system. That's probably one of my greatest pet peeves is when mm-hmm. you have an applicant tracking system and it's like copy and paste your resume into this form and then also upload your resume. No. I mean, there has to be a better way to do that. And yeah. so um, 
a lot of those systems we took a look at. So we changed our, our payroll system. We implemented a new applicant tracking system. We implemented a um, learning management system so that, especially in behavioral health, there's a lot of compliance-based training yep. um, that, you know, you, you have to get that done no matter the scale of your company. And so we implemented a system where we could not only roll the training out and, you know, meet people where they were so that they could receive that training, but also the tracking, you know, the transcripts of the training. Um, you know, we're very proud of being, you know, Joint Commission um, accredited, uh -huh. and that was one of the things, you know, let, show me the transcripts of, you know, all of your employees at this site and the training they've received, and it was as mm -hmm. quick as, you know, logging pushing into the system. Yep. Yeah, pushing a button, exactly. And if you've got too many systems that are not push a button, then that's going to be a, a real pain point for you when you're going to grow at that speed. Yeah. Yeah. A amen. And it's, um, <laughs> you know, I love the fact that you were able to, I mean, it was rapid growth, and you're still in that rapid growth phase, but you were mm -hmm. able to, you know, very systematically take a look at that and, you know, let's shore up this foundation and build the foundation before we keep moving on. Um, you know, it, 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 it's interesting to hear you, hear you talk about that because, um, you know, it is it is laying that foundation, but I know that you're very keen on, as we entitled our episode, um, you're, you're very keen on making sure that others, are successful. And so when we look at, you know, how that applies to your work as an HR leader, um, you know, what's, what's your philosophy? Um, how do you approach HR um, knowing that that's one of, one of your beliefs is, is I'm here to help others succeed? Absolutely. So for me, HR is truly, you know, the definition of the epitome of servant leadership. Um, if somebody went into HR to make a name for themselves, they've entered the wrong profession. Our, our job um, and the purpose of HR is to provide the, the support and the resources and the tools that those that are supporting the, the mission and the vision of the organization are out there doing every day. You know, I don't personally – um, have interaction with our patients, those are our doctors and our nurses and our, yeah. you know, advanced practitioners that are doing that and our counselors. And if they're worried about, you know, who's our benefits carrier, I didn't get my insurance card, you know, I don't know how to do this, um, you know, in a system or, um, you know, I didn't get my performance review or I, I mean, you know, I don't know where to go for this. If, if they're worried mm -hmm. about that, they can't focus on what their job is. And mm -hmm. for those that are leaders in the organization, they need to feel empowered and supported to have those conversations that are, you know, a, a, a celebration conversation, as well as having those conversations where it's, you know, I really see something that's a roadblock to your success in further growth in this organization. This is what I'm seeing. You know, I'm help, trying to help you to, to see that and to be aware of that yourself. And this is what I need as a commitment from you to, new, to move mm -hmm. forward. 
so that we can be successful together and so that we can, you know, get through this, move forward, and continue to provide, you know, the, this service to our community. And yeah. it, it, you don't have to be in a service-oriented uh, business in order to have that mindset. I mean, I was in manufacturing. We were manufacturing paper. I mean, <laughs> you know? Yeah, yeah. And, but in order to be able to, you know, properly support the employees that were on the front line, I mean, we have to give our supervisors the tools that they need to do their job so that they mm-hmm. can give the people, you know, on the front line the tools that they need to do theirs. And we are there to support. And I say a lot about concierge HR. I truly feel yeah. that way. I don't, I don't want anyone to ever be struggling and I also don't want the perpetual stereotype of HR being the principal's office and people being afraid right. of HR, you know? I mean, I don't want anyone to think, oh, HR is going to be mad at me, or, oh, here comes HR, who's getting fired? I yeah. want HR to be looked at as, oh, man, I don't know what to do. I'm going to call HR. Or, oh, yeah. man, I know that this looks like it could be a problem. I'm going to talk to HR and see if they have some, you know, something I can read or if we could just talk about it and see if they can help me with the approach that I want to take, um, you yeah. know, with this, with this person or with this problem. Um, I want HR to be a resource, truly, for the people of the organization and to not have anyone feel that they're bothering us because that is our job. Um, mm-hmm. And any time that someone calls and they say, oh, I know you're busy, and, yeah, but I'm not <laughs> so busy that I can't stop and help you with what you're doing because your job is vitally important. And if you're taking time to talk to me, I can stop what I'm doing and talk to you. Yeah. Well, and, you know, I think um, I'm I'm right there with you because I, I look back at um, various roles that I've had in various industries just like you have worked in so many different industries um i loved when my team when we were seen as problem solvers and it's mm-hmm. and it is it's an element of that concierge service but it's i loved it when people would come to me or a member of my team with with even sort of an operational thing um, hey, you know, we're doing this process right now, and this is really not working for me, and I don't know how to go about fixing it. And it it did be, it does become then HR sort of removing the obstacles so that people mm-hmm. can do their best work, you know. And sometimes that that became, you know, well, let me, you know, it helped me learn. Well, what's your day to day really like? And mm-hmm. an outsider looking in, and they would explain some process that seemed you know, redundant or ridiculous or I didn't understand why they were doing it, helped me learn, but it also helped me talk them through, um, well, here's maybe how this can be fixed. Or if they were hesitant to approach the, you know, the big muckety-muck that was maybe in charge of it, say, you know what, I'm going to take this to the big muckety-muck because what you've brought up I think is very solvable and, and leads to, set, you know, better job satisfaction, whatever. Um, mm-hmm. So yeah, I, I see HR. Uh, you and I are very similar, I think, in our outlooks of of that. Um, you know, sometimes you, you mentioned about 
you know, the sad truth sometimes, of course, HR folks seen as, oh, it's, you know, it's the policy police or go down to the principal's office mm-hmm. or whatever. Um, mm-hmm. How, how, how do we, how do we change that? Um, I mean, I, I, you know, one of the things that you, you and I have talked about before is where HR folks or organizational leaders can make assumptions about employee behavior or why why Sally Sue is doing something or why don't this entire clump of employees do X? How do we how do we change that? How do we stop making those assumptions about why people are doing stuff or thinking the worst of them? So I think that a lot of the time that um, we tend to judge people on their behaviors and we judge ourselves based on our intent. So we make a lot of Mm. assumptions on what would possess somebody to behave that way. And so I, I personally ask a ton of questions when somebody calls me. Um, And if it's a new, new manager that hasn't kind of walked through something with me before, I tell them ahead of time, look, look, I'm going to ask you a ton of questions. Um, I was actually on a call uh, earlier this week and the person was saying, and they did this and they, uh, you know, they were annoyed by me or irritated by me, or they um, assumed that I, you know, did, did this. And I said, well, how do you know that? And they said, oh, and they just assumed I was stupid or treated me like I was stupid. I said, well, how do you, how do you know that? And I said, I said, you know, give me an example. And so then they're telling me and I said, okay, well, you said that they changed their voice with you. I said, you know, this person's a pretty new manager. Is it possible that that's their style when they're trying to teach somebody something new? And uh-huh. did you say to the person in the moment, like, hey, I'm sure you don't, don't mean this, um, but the way that you're coming off right now, it's kind of like I don't know what I'm doing, and I do. I just don't understand this part of it. I said, because yeah. a lot of times, you know, there's no malicious intent in it whatsoever, that's just how the person has learned, uh, you know, either through being a brand-new manager or through, you know, years of being in management and leadership. That was, that was their adaptation and their style of doing this new thing in their job. And maybe no one has said anything to them before about, you know, hey, when you speak to me like that, you know, this is how I feel. Is there a way that we can communicate better? And mm-hmm. I think that – a lot of times that people get kind of caught up in and their own fears of really bringing things to light and, and asking those questions and speaking up when they're, you know, internalizing or perceiving the way that someone is speaking to them in some certain way. Um, and there's just not a lot of, you know, hey, when that happened, this is how I took that. Is that accurate? Or what can right. we do in the future to to not have that happen again? And, you know, I mean, we're all just human beings who are trying to do a job. Nobody, at least I hope not, stays up late at night and tries to think of how to, you know, screw over their coworkers. So <laughs> let's all just assume positive intent when we're interacting with each other. I mean, uh, if someone didn't do some part of their job, as the closing of their shift and you came in and there was a ton of work for you to do, let's just assume first and foremost 
that the person was not maliciously trying to set right. your day up with a, a list of things to do. You know, maybe they right, were right. slammed at the end of their shift and they just didn't get to it. So yep. maybe your shift is not quite so busy in the beginning and so you can take care of those things. But yep. I think a lot of granting the grace that we would definitely want from others when we're interacting um you know, with people and having these conversations would go a long way in our organization. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, let me do a quick reset. We uh, we have just under 10 minutes left of the show. For those who have perhaps just joined us, we are talking with Nicole Roberts, uh, VP of HR at, um, I'm going to get the name of the company wrong, horrible, Brightview mm-hmm. um, from mm-hmm. Cincinnati, Ohio. And we are talking about, um, helping others succeed and, and kind of approaching work with really what I think is the right intent. Um, what here's a question. What's 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 a good thing to do? What have you found is a good thing to do when you have um and I'm not saying you have this at your organization now, because I get a sense mm-hmm. you don't, but I know I've certainly worked at organizations where the leaders, CEO, owner, leadership team in general um, don't have that same philosophy. Where it is, you know, um, the mindset is every employee is out to screw us, so we're going to have every sort of, sort of rule and regulation, and we just sort of in general assume people have the worst intent. How how do you how do you change that? Have you have you ever had well, to change that? Well, I would first ask them who hired those people. So you hired a bunch of people that you Mm -hmm. thought were, you know, out to screw over the organization. That's, you know, tragic and problematic in itself. But um, I would say, you know, we hired these people for a reason. And we are going to trust that we have hired adults and we will then treat them like adults. We don't need to have super punitive policies. Um, If we have somebody who is operating outside the values of the organization, then we need to have the confidence to address that person Mm one-on-one and address the situation. Um, I can't tell you the number of times in my career that I've been in meetings where someone said, we're having an issue with this. Can you send out a, a blanket email to everybody, yeah. you know, reminding them about right. this or, you know, saying about this? And I said, well, what's the issue? And they said, oh, well, I have one person or I have two people. That, and I said, well, what's the harm in talking to those two people? Because mm-hmm. you may have two people that are doing that, but your entire rest of your team may be doing exactly what you want. And even more so, your superstar doesn't need that reminder they're already doing Mm -hmm. it plus Mm -hmm. it tends to really incite a lot of gossip because if you get this blanket email then for the ones that are you know doing what's expected they're like oh I wonder why this email is going out what's going on you know and the other thing is is that a lot of the times you're going to have the person who is not operating within your values that either doesn't read the email doesn't think it applies to them um, yeah. And so to really make sure that the, the message is delivered directly and you can ensure that the understanding is there, 
you need to have face-to-face conversations with people or at least get on the phone if, you know, face-to-face isn't possible. And I think as HR, we need to work harder at making sure that our managers are comfortable with those conversations, including, Mm -hmm. you know, role-playing and making sure, like, hey, do you want to talk through this? I know this is going to be a difficult conversation with you. How can I best support you? Mm -hmm. I love the role-playing. I love role playing with managers. I don't know that for some reason that just uh I don't know. I I get a I get a kick out of that and it's kind of it helps it helps in the problem solving and it you know instills confidence in the manager. It also mm-hmm. gives confidence to HR that the conversation's going to go the right way and you know I think that's an often forgotten um step sometimes in mm-hmm. in the process. Um, what do you, you know, it's, it's, it's interesting to think about, um, what for some people is kind of putting HR on its, you know, upside down, flipping HR on its head to, to, um, to sort of think that way. I mean, it's sad, but it's true where HR should be focused on, the positive and and focused on approaching things with a really good intent because so often we have and it depends on the organization and it depends on what the organization wants but we have this sense you know and it's an HR stereotype but you know that that HR folks love going in and being in charge and being in control and abiding by the rules and all that sort of thing that that creates this negativity um, this negative vibe. How do you, um, you know, each day, really, because I think it is an each day thing, how do you make sure that you are approaching what you do and that your team is approaching what they do with that positive intent and that positive outlook? So I look at things on where I can make the greatest impact, and especially mm-hmm. when we're growing as quickly as we're growing, I'm going to focus on um, – how I can help, how I can make the greatest impact, how I can get others excited about kind of where we're headed and and what we're doing. Um, You know, obviously with growing this quickly, we're adding a lot of new people. So um, I actually have one member of my team every Monday, she does new hire orientation um, Mm. because we have people starting that often. Um, And she has, you know, eight to 12 people every Monday that she's doing new Mm. hire orientation with. And so she's sharing you know, we came from here and this is where we are now and this is what we're seeing for the future. And I just keep my team focused on where we're headed and where we've been and how we're working to make a greater impact on the organization. And I've gotten a lot of feedback um, from others that have, you know, been in the behavioral health industry and they said, you know, um, HR was never a place to go. HR was never a place to call in some of my, mm-hmm. you know, prior uh, companies mm-hmm. that I've worked for. And I just say, well, you know what? The the culture of HR in this organization is that we're here to help. We're here to support. We have several ways for you to get a hold of us so that it's not just you have to physically come see us or you have to call us on the phone or you have to, you know, we're creating an FAQ uh, database right now so that if there are those 
real quick questions that somebody just needs to find out the answer for themselves and they don't need to actually speak to somebody that they can go and, and you know, find those answers. Um, yeah. And I think that the more that the workforce changes, the more that we have to adapt with it. And it can't just be, well, this is how HR does it. You'll have to, you know, adapt to us. That's right, that's right. not that's not the mindset of HR, at least not in my organization and not in, mm-hmm. you know, any that, you know, my peers, you know, such as you obviously, Robin, that we want to perpetuate. HR is here to help. Yep. yep. I love it. Well, Nicole, we are um, we are wrapping up here so fast and furious, right? Um, great conversation. Um, tell our listeners where they can find you online, LinkedIn, your blog, Twitter, whatever. So I'm very active on Twitter. I'm the co-moderator of the Job Hunt Chat, which is uh, Mondays which is at great. 9 p.m. Eastern. And uh, I'm at N Roberts HR. So easy enough, right? Um, yep. I'm also on LinkedIn and the, um, you know, Nicole Roberts, and so it's you know LinkedIn slash IN slash N Roberts HR. My blog is HRWithoutEgo.com. Um, you know, self-explanatory. There should be no ego in the process. It's definitely not about us in how we approach HR and how we should be approaching leadership. Um, Love it. Yeah, it's it's definitely my passion and how I uh, coach any member of my team in how to demonstrate HR and live the brand of HR for the organization. Wonderful. Well, thank you so much, Nicole, and thank you to everybody for joining us, and we'll talk to you next week on Drive Through HR. Bye. Bye. Thank you.